Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I ended up as a manager and a leader. Then I got to start it all over again. I started Jackson Hewitt. And now I knew where some of the dangers were. Some of the Indians were, some places to cross rivers, and then I sold that and started all over again. If you don't do it a lot better each and every time, especially after 15 years, you're an idiot. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Hey there, welcome back to Think Business with Tyler. Get ready for a compelling conversation with the serial entrepreneur and franchising guru, John Hewitt. Today, we're diving deep into the blend of traditional tax savvy and mobile dog grooming under his vast umbrella of companies. So grab your notebook for some priceless business scaling tips and let's learn from a master. Mistakes, victories, and all. Here we go. Hey, John, welcome to the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing? Incredible. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. You're an icon. Your companies are icons and you're an icon. So it's it's an honor and a privilege to have you here. Um, really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. I've been incredibly blessed. Yeah, you've done a great job too. So what I'd love to start out with, tell us a little bit about you professionally, if you would. And then I'd also like to learn just a tiny bit about you personally too. Well, I've been in, in franchising for 54 years. And I started when I was at the University of Buffalo working part-time for H&R Block. I loved it. One of my many blessings is I knew at 20 years old what I wanted to be when I grew up. And 12 years later, I was running 250 H&R Block offices. I was happy. I met my dreams. I was 30 years old. I said, okay. Uh, and then my dad interceded. And he was the CFO of a public company. He decided that he liked the Apple computer he bought by mail for himself better than the mainframe that was running his public company. And that, that Apple is so old, it's in the Smithsonian already. Wow. But so he convinced me, it took him about a year to convince me to leave my job and go with him and build the first tax software for an Apple computer. So we did that in 1981. And you're not old enough to remember a world without computers, but there weren't even 200,000 PCs in the whole country. And no one wanted it. They, they were afraid of computers. And it was way ahead of its time. And we got blessed because I found a company for sale here in Virginia Beach called 
Mel Jackson Tax Service. Mel had died. I the, the biggest blessing was the weather here is a lot nicer than Buffalo. So I moved my family here in August of 82. I've been here for 41 years. And we merged the two companies, changed the name to Jackson Hewitt, went public, and sold it 15 years later for $483 million. I had a non-compete that lasted for three years. And by the way, Jackson Hewitt is a, should it, became a billion-dollar company. Yeah, great brand. So I founded a billion-dollar company, one of the only less than 1,000 people in the United States that have ever done that. And they have 6,000 offices. They're the 23rd largest retail franchise chain in the country. But I sold that, left that in, in 1997, and started Liberty Tax. And I had a three-year non-compete, but it didn't cover Canada because there never have been any Jackson Hewitts in Canada. Having grown up in Buffalo, I knew the Canadian tax system. So we opened Liberty Tax in Canada. And within three years, became one of the top 100 retail chains. So now I built one of the top 100 retail chains in U.S., and in Canada. My non-compete ended in 2000, came back to the United States. Now I had to compete with myself, my own name, my own software, my own system, my own people. And yet not only did we grow faster than Jackson Hewitt, we grew faster than Jackson Hewitt and H&R Block combined. We opened 4,000 offices in 12 years. Again, a public company, again, worth $500 million, top 10 fastest growing franchisor ever. Again, a top, I'm the only person that's developed two of the top 100 retail chains in this country. I brought in 5,200 franchisees. So you said your listeners are, are business owners. I brought in 5,200 myself. Thousand of them became millionaires. And so that's, and then once I sold that, we started Loyalty Brands. And Loyalty Brands is, different from both Jackson Hewitt and Liberty in that we have eight different companies under one umbrella. So I just had one company with Jackson Hewitt, one company with Liberty Tax. Now Loyalty Brands has eight companies. So that's my 54-year career in a nutshell. Does cash flow have you down? Profit, not where you think it should be? Maybe it's the long hours. Let's meet to see if I can help. I bridge driving the financial performance of your business to hit growth and success targets. Book a complimentary meeting at meetforgrowth.com to get started now. Once again, that's meetforgrowth.com. I look forward to talking with you. And thanks for listening to the show. Now, Loyalty Brands has eight companies. So that's my 54-year career in a nutshell. I have so much to unpack, but before I do that, I want to know a little bit about you personally. Can you share anything anecdotally about yourself personally, whether it be family or interests or anything along those lines? You know, there's so much to talk about because I have six children. Wow. 11 grandchildren. I just had a party on Saturday for my shower for my approaching my fifth great-grandchild. Wow. And you know, I didn't, I didn't feel old when I turned 70, but when I had my first great-grandchild, that made me feel old. I don't know. If, did you ever meet your great great grandparents? Uh, no, sadly, I did not. No, exactly. Yeah. So and so once I met, I was fortunate when I was young to ha to meet one. I had one pair of great grandparents, but they were really old. Yeah. So uh, great being a great great grandfather makes me feel a little old. Yeah, 
I can imagine. You know, uh, one thing I do have to say, though, my first computer was actually a VIC-20. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. I had a VIC-20, and then I had a Commodore 64. And then I went all the way up the chain from a 286, 386. I think Pentium was the next one. I went through the whole gamut of uh, computers. So I was right in the infancy. You don't look that you don't look that old. That was in the 70s. Yeah, I'm 56. I'm an old dude, but okay. I was passionate about it. I mean, it was such an exciting era. My oldest daughter is 56. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, so there's so much to unpack it here. I in fact you shared some things that almost make me want to go in a different direction, but I'm gonna stick to the course here a little bit. I want to talk about, you know, tax preparation is an extremely competitive, I would even argue maybe fierce area. I mean, you constantly have this undertone of doing it for free and the government says they're going to do that flat tax. I remember when I was, I used to have my own CPA firm, flat tax was a hot topic at one point. What made you feel like this was the direction to go in? And did you ever make a strategic decision that you stand back and go, wow, that was one of the smartest moves I ever made? Any light bulb moments there that you could share? Well, it certainly was one of the smartest moves I ever made. And again, I've Tyler, I've interviewed thousands of people in my career. Yeah. And I have one standard question. Please. What do you want to be when you grow up? And you know what? 90% of people, no matter what age, 30, 40, 20, 50. They don't know what they want to be when I they grow up. I was so blessed to take that an H and R block course in 1969. I loved it. I loved it for three major reasons. Number one, we talked about a world without computers. They didn't even have calculators in 1969. Wow. I did my first tax drinks with an atom machine pulled in the hand. And I was great at at multiplication and addition. I can do it in my head faster than anyone. And so it was It was good for me because I love math. And secondly, it was good because it's helping people. People are very grateful because to most people that, and my companies have done 100 million tax rate. So I have some experience. Most people think of their taxes as like going to the dentist. Right. And so they're so relieved to, to make it easy for them. And, it's, and often you can save the... Often you can save them money. Usually you save them peace of mind. So it's helping people. So it's mathematic. It's helping people. And I'm very argumentative. When I was a kid in, in high school and middle school, I argued with my teachers. My teachers hated me because I was very argumentative. But with tax law, it's very great. Right. So you get to argue, you get to argue your point and represent customers. So again, one of my many blessings major in business. First blessing is I found out what I wanted to be when I was in college in 20 years old, when I took that H&R Block tax course and started working the next month in January. But the interesting thing is when you say this to me, it sounded like you really enjoyed the nuts and bolts of it. But I'd imagine once you started to scale, scale, we're talking billion dollar company, you start to scale, you're not in the trenches anymore. You're now probably managing multiple offices. You're a franchisor. You're getting away from that. And a lot of times you see people that really enjoy the like the mathematics of it. You just that's what they do for their career. They stay in that kind of area. What kind of take me through that? Like, how do you still get fueled? And now it's at a whole different level, if you will. Well, that brought out another skill set I, that I had, right? <laughs> so, you know, I've in starting loyalty brands, we have eight brands, but I've interviewed hundreds of of companies that wanted to join us as a franchisor. Mm -hmm. So I've given tons of advice to to people, and 
about whether you can be a franchisor and whether whether you're in the right field. And, and I had this, the right skill set. And I don't know why people have asked me this question before. Um, how did you know that you were a leader? Well, I mean, how did you become a leader? Did you learn it? Or But as, I can remember back to being four years old, and I was the leader of the gang. You know, leader of my, my brother was a year and a half younger and my best friend. And I was the leader in the neighborhood. So I've always been a leader and I've always wanted to help people. So it just came naturally. I was blessed. And and most of the, the franchise, the people that I've seen that have tried to go from normal business into franchising have failed because they don't have that leadership ability. They don't understand why uh, or the relationship be, between a franchisor and a franchisee. And so I have that skill. And that was a different skill set that I tapped to do what I've done. Yeah. What do you feel about the tax industry as a whole? Do you see, will it become free returns? I mean, is that where we're going with this? I know flat tax seems to have gone away, but I remember back in the day when I my firm, that was a big topic. What are your thoughts? It will just keep getting more complicated and the need for our types of these types of services and any, any opinion? I don't know how long you want me to spend on it, <laughs> but I love, love, love when they talk about flat tax. Right. Because people that talk about flat tax don't really understand flat tax. And let me try to explain to you mathematically about flat tax, simply, right? And I've never spent a second worrying about flat tax because I understand that, uh, that let me give you an example of a flat tax, right? That let's pretend, and the most common example is a sales tax. right? So let's say instead of an income tax, everyone pays... 10% sales tax. Yeah. So on everything they buy. Well, you have to remember this. Guess what percentage, Tyler, guess what percentage of Americans pay zero income tax? You know, I don't know that. I'd say probably about 30%, I'm guessing. 40%. Okay. So you go to the bottom 40% of the population. Bottom 40%. The average spending is $35,000. Do we have a great deal for you? We have a great deal for you. You get to pay your fair share. Instead of paying zero, you're going to pay $3,500 a year. Yeah. Instead of paying zero, you're going to pay $3,500. And you know that rich people that were paying the top 5% of all taxes, right? Right. Think of someone that makes $20,000 a year. How much did they spend? $25,000. Someone that makes $200,000 a year spends $190,000. Someone that makes $20 million a year spends $10 million. If they're only in a 5% tax bracket because they pay 10% of the 10 million and that's 1 million, which is 5% of the 20 million. So it helps the rich. As soon as the poor people find out that they, they're going to have to pay taxes and the rich people are paying less, rich people are going to pay less out of that tax system. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I laugh about it because it sounds like a great idea. We'll get rid of the IRS. We'll... It's, it's make it so easy for you. You don't have to worry about it. Well, 40 over 40%, and it's getting close to 50%. Wow. 50% of the population of the voters pay zero tax. Now you get to pay. I mean, don't you feel good, good about that, that you get to help pay your fair share? I love it when people talk about flat tax. It's so, it's so hilarious. 
<laughs> that that is interesting. Uh, do you think though, kind of like with the raising of the standard deduction and AMT to a lesser degree, that's almost like a backdoor flat tax for just some people. Isn't that kind of what ends up being? Well, first of all, most of your listeners don't know what AMT is. It's a good point. Uh, good point. Okay, Thank you. So, so <laughs> but let me say this, that that flat tax only applies to the people that make over two hundred or two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So, do you know what percentage of Americans make over two hundred fifty thousand dollars? Oh, I'd have to say I'm guessing here, but I'd say twenty percent. Less than five percent. Wow. So, so, it's it doesn't apply to almost anyone. That flat tax you're talking about only applies to the very wealthy, and it really doesn't tend to kick in until you make a million dollars. So that is not a consideration. I think I'm jaded because, you know, being in California, especially when I used to do returns, the vast majority of them were over $200,000. You did tax returns? Yeah, 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 back in the day. And, you know, the vast majority hit ATM back. This was, you know, this was really big when instead of stock options were very popular, they've kind of gone away now. But you had an AMT adjustment and AMT is an alternative minimum tax. The design is to make sure everybody's paying their fair share, essentially, on certain things. Well, it's actually, let me amend that a little. Please, please. It's designed to make sure that people pay a minimum amount. Correct. Yeah, that's a better way of saying it. Not necessarily their fair share. Yeah. But that no one evades any tax, zero tax. If you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens, and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high-performing team members, and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands-on business. To schedule a free, no-pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button. Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. Think life, think success, think business. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Not necessarily their fair share, yeah, but that no one evades any tax, zero tax. Yeah, you're right on. So anyway, it's kind of funny because, you know, I think given my area, Silicon Valley, is probably very disproportionate to probably what's among the United States because the vast majority were over those thresholds and were following, falling into the kicking in AMT. So interesting discussion. You know, I'm dying. I've been trying to hold myself off, but I, I can't anymore. I want to talk about this loyalty brands. So you have eight companies underneath it. Are they all synergistic in that they're all doing something cross with each other? Or are they just, is it like a kind of a Berkshire Hathaway thing where they're all kind of, you're acquiring companies and they're all doing their own thing really well? 
it's the latter. It's the Berkshire Hathaway thing that there there is some synergy, okay, um, but and there's some cross marketing, but there's not a consideration that they all be related. Okay, what are, are you? Can you disclose or can you share like what types of companies are under that umbrella? Yeah, I would prefer to say that there's eight companies, but it's kind of the 80-20 rule that there's two great industries and the others are less. So I prefer to talk about the two exciting ones that are that are growing by leaps and bounds that hopefully, remember, I'm, I brag that I'm the only person that's founded two of the top 100 retail chains in the country. And I'm hopefully third time's the charm, but I have two companies that are headed in that direction. And one is is the traditional tax. Um, my ATAX company is fastest growing in tax, but I've always, for 54 years, I've always been with the, the fastest growing tax company. But the one that's surprising that I'm, I'm just unbelievable surprised with is Zoom and Grooming. I mean, the pet industry is just exploding. And our fastest, our fastest growing company is a mobile dog grooming. And I love it for so many reasons, but people love their pets more than their children. And some people love their pets more than their spouse. <laughs> no comment on my end. Where is the skill? You know, you scale billion dollar co- to billion dollar companies, which is like mind boggling. You know, my profession, what I do is on a much smaller level. Like, do you have any tips for us when it comes to scaling? Like, there's so many moving parts, you know, multiple offices, people, people are always a big challenge, getting the right people in the right seats, cash flow, obviously, probably at this stage in your life, cash flow isn't a much of, as much of an issue as it was for your first venture. But how do you overcome these? Any tips or anything you can share? Well, I don't want to underestimate how difficult it is, because okay. in the history of the United States, there's been 700 million people and only a thousand people founded a billion dollar company. So it's it's incredibly difficult. And so there's many moving parts. But what I say is going to sound simple, but is it is the key to building a, a huge company. And remember, I've done it twice going from, I built a company that was worth 500 million, a company that's worth a billion. So I've gone from zero to 500 employees twice. And public companies, the, the key thing, and this may oversimplify it, is as you grow, you have income and expenses. And the expenses, like, I'll call it structure. You have income and structure, and they have to match. If you have too much structure and not enough income, you go bankrupt. If you hire people too soon and your expenses out, outpace your revenue, then you go bankrupt. If you have too much income and haven't hired enough people, you collapse because you have horrible service. You can't support your growth. So that's the two things you have to decide. You know, when I started, think back 1982, I started with Jackson Hewitt. I had myself and my wife. And then we hired a director of franchise. And then and then you have to decide, when are you going to hire an HR person? When are you going to hire an accountant? When are you going to hire a marketer? When are you going to hire someone in charge of franchise development? Is the key, it, it may oversimplify it, is you have to make those decisions and be right. You have to decide, okay, and you have to have a, a budget, and then you have to, that's rational and reasonable, and then you have to budget the right amount of people, and you have to adjust on the fly. 
because oftentimes you're not going to meet your budget. You're going to be too high or too low. You have to make uh, decisions on the fly and be thinking and watchful at every moment. Do you find from your first, from Jackson Hewitt, then we go to Liberty Tax Service, and now you're into this third one. Are there things that you're taking from each one that's making it quote unquote easier each time? Or is it each time like you're just kind of learning as you go and different different things come at you? Absolutely. You know, when I started Jackson Hewitt, I, I ran it for 15 years and I built it up and sold it for $483 million, right? And when you think about that, if you run something for 15 years and you get to start all over again, if you not, don't do it a lot faster and a lot better the second time, you're an idiot. There are so many lessons I learned. And, you know, I will offer to your listeners, you know, I have a book that talks about that journey. And my book is unusual, I think, and it talks about my mistakes. You know, in most books, business books that I've read, they talk about their victories. I talk about the mistakes that I've made. So I made huge mistakes and I got to do it all over again. So it was so much easier the second time. Not only did I have, I learned so much, but I got to take people with me in the first journey. So I think of it sort of like the, the first wagon train left. I was on the first wagon train that left Kansas City and went to California with H&R Block. I started as a peon. I, got, I ended up as a manager and a leader. Then I got to start all over again. I started Jackson Hewitt. And now I knew where some of the dangers were. Some of the Indians were, some places to cross rivers. And, and then I sold that and started all over again. You got to be, if you don't do it a lot better each and every time, you're especially after 15 years, you're an idiot. Yeah, that's a good point. Can you share one of your mistakes that stands out? And, and I apologize. I usually have read a guest book before uh, they come onto the show. I didn't even realize you had a book. So my mistake, I'll definitely buy it and I'm definitely going to read it. The book is on the way. And if any, oh, of your okay. list, if any of your listeners send me an email, I will send them a free book too. Does that include hosts too? Yeah, that's your yours is on the way. Okay, yeah, I, I'd love to read it. And I, I've already ordered yours. So okay, I appreciate that. I'd okay. I'd love to hear. It, but is there a mistake that stands out? I'd love to just kind of talk through that. Yeah, I'll I'll tell you the second biggest mistake I made. Yeah, is when I started Jackson Hewitt, we bought six offices from Mel Jackson, and H and R Block had nine thousand. So we had six, not six thousand, six. Wow. wow. And so. Our goal was to be bigger than Block. Now, that's a pretty big, hairy, audacious goal. But today, Jackson Newton has 6,000 houses. So it went from six to 6,000, right? But when I started, I got there in August of 82. In the first tax season, I had 11. So I went from, that's pretty good. Second tax season, I had 15. And third tax season, I had 22. No, that's not. That's pretty good growth. I was 33 yeah, very years good. Yeah. I went from, in two and a half years, I went from six offices to 22. And, but I said to myself, our goal is 9,000. And I'm going to be 9,000 years old before we get to 9,000. We got to do something different. So the second biggest mistake I ever made was not to start franchising immediately. So we immediately started franchising and grew from 22 to 49 to 200 to 350 to 
500, and we started growing exponentially because we started franchising. So that was just stupid that, oh, we're going to have corporate stores. It doesn't, you can't, you can't grow that quickly without franchising. Yeah. But in fairness, it's something that you did for the first time. That's pretty complicated becoming a franchise, or at least initially, from what I know about it. I mean, you have to go through all the legal process. You have to put together a model that actually works and you can demonstrate, you can replicate it. I mean, that's got a lot of parts to it. So that even in itself is pretty admirable in such an early stage of, 20, I think you said 22 offices uh, to already be in a fat franchising, especially back then. I don't even think it was as approachable as it is nowadays. So that's pretty amazing. It's a, it's a really cool story. I'm blessed. Yeah. All of that is a blessing to, I'm, I'm incredibly blessed. Okay. So one last thing I'd like to ask you, and then we'll wrap up. I want to be respectful of your time. In terms of your entrepreneurial journey, everything that you've gone through, anything you can share for those business owners that are kind of in that $1 million to $20 million revenue range, a lot of times clients come to me and they're stuck. They're like, I can't get over the hump. I, and oftentimes it's people, managing leadership, things like that. Anything come out that words of wisdom you could share? Well, remember, I have a lot of experience because I've had 5,200 franchisees. So everyone has had the, the benefit of my mentorship and guidance. And, and so I've had 1,000 millionaires and 1,000 that went out of business. But if you want, if you want to identify to one key, what's the biggest risk or the biggest reason people don't grow? And it's it's delegation. People can't delegate. And uh, that's that's the biggest disease in American management is lack of ability to delegate. Do you believe people can learn how to delegate or is that just something you know how to do or you don't know how to do? I'll give you an example of how I taught one of my favorite people ever to delegate. She was horrible. She was horrible. And she went on to become a vice president of a company and and be incredibly successful. But she just couldn't delegate. So she was, we had a technical support department at Jackson Hewitt and we in, in our early stages. And she had about 10 people. And I just was kept lecturing on how to delegate, how to delegate. And the copy machine for the company, we had only had about 30, 40 employees. The copy machine for the company was in her her area. And so I walked in her area and she was standing, she had 10 employees. She was standing at the copy machine making copies. So I walked up to one of her employees and I said, could you make me, I need copies of this as soon as possible. So the employee went, kicked her off the the copy machine and made my copies. And that was a lesson that she never forgot. And she never, to my knowledge, she never made her own copies again. So it's not easy. uh, It's not easy. But I've I've seen 20, 25% of people change from inability to delegate to the ability to delegate. Does cash flow have you down? Profit, not where you think it should be? Maybe it's the long hours. Let's meet to see if I can help. I bridge driving the financial performance of your business to hit growth and success targets. Book a complimentary meeting at meetforgrowth.com to get started now. Once again, that's meetforgrowth.com. I look forward to talking with you. And thanks for listening to the show. So, it's not easy, 
but I've seen 20, 25% of people change from inability to delegate to the ability to delegate. Yeah. I'm fascinated by your stat that you shared. A thousand millionaires and a thousand quote-unquote failures. I hate using that word, but essentially a thousand businesses that didn't work out in the exact same doing the exact same thing. Now, you could argue maybe territories could have something to do with it, but you push that aside because I'm sure that wasn't all thousand. That's true. It is a lot to do with how the individual executes and how they're able to delegate and work with others. I think plays a lot into probably those thousand that didn't that weren't able to succeed. Actually, to be clear, yeah, it comes down to one thing. Please, My job as a franchisor is to give you the best system in the industry. I've done that for... This is my 55th exit for 55 years. Your job as a franchisee is to follow that system. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how educated you are. It doesn't matter how experienced you are. I give you the proven system. The millionaires listen 98% or more. The losers or failures listen less than 90%. It's all about having a system and following that system. Interesting. It's fascinating. That... I could dig more deeper, but I'm going to be respectful of your time. John, I really can't thank you enough for being part of the show. Your your website is loyaltybrands.com. I'll put that in the show notes. When's your book? Do you have a tentative date that it's coming out? I'm working on my second book. My book's already out. Okay. And if you send me an a email at john, J-O-H-N, at loyaltybrands.com, I will send you a free book. But okay, that's for all the listeners. Tyler, yours is already on the way. Okay, awesome. And then uh, is it okay if I use your email address? I put that in the show notes too. Is that okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Well, hey, thank you so much. I mean, you know, I love hearing your story. I feel like I could go on for another two hours. So thanks for sharing and uh, look forward to maybe talking to you again in the future. That'd be my pleasure. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric acid.